Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 188 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice, where together with my colleagues, we provide advice to employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. If you have a particular question or a problem at work or an issue that you're dealing with in your business, then do get in touch with us. We'd be very happy to have an initial free telephone call with you or a meeting via Microsoft Teams. You can contact me directly by email. My email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk or you can telephone our office on 01983 897 and we'd be happy to arrange a convenient time for a call with you. Now, in this week's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about something which is often used but rarely talked about, and that is probation periods. So I did a presentation for our HR Harbour members recently. So those are businesses who subscribe to our HR and employment law service. And we covered off probation periods and I was really surprised about how long I could talk about it for and how much there was to cover. So hopefully you will find this episode interesting and insightful and will get you started in making sure that you have meaningful probation periods. So without further ado I'm going to get into this week's featured content. So as I said I'm going to be talking about probation periods. Now, I know most businesses and organisations do use them and include them within their employment contracts or the offer of employment. So what exactly is a probation period? Well, I've come up with my own definition. This isn't a legal definition, but something that I think is relevant to what a probation period is. And that is, it's a period of time at the outset of the employment relationship or at the start of a new job role, during which the expectation of each party is that the employee's suitability for the role is being assessed and considered. So in my opinion, a probation period is exactly that. It's a time when the expectation of everyone, both employee and employer, is that it's being assessed for suitability. And that can be for the employer and equally for the employee to assess if the role is right for them. So why should you use a probation period? Well, As I say, it does set the expectation for both parties. So you're setting out the period of time. Um, It gives a realistic period of time in which to judge someone's suitability for a job role. And it provides that meaningful opportunity to review performance. It's also good employment practice, of course, and HR practice to do that. And in my view, if you get it right, it can set the tone for the relationship with the employee. So those first three months or six months, depending on how long you have the probation period, are a time in which you can get to know each other and also set out the tone for your communication with each other. But you don't actually have to have a probation period. I know I said lots of people do, lots of businesses and organisations do have probation periods, but it's not something that's mandatory or required by law. It's just good practice. There are, however, some times in which I would say having a probation period isn't worth it. So if in your organisation you have probation periods but you don't have meaningful um, induction processes, you don't plan the induction with them, 
you don't provide them with trainings and support during the probation period you don't follow up on their performance and any issues that arise during the probation period and you're not actually going to sign them off at the end of it what's really the point of having a probation period if you have a probation period and you don't do those things it's like you're not really bothered if they're good or not and it's surprising the amount of organisations and businesses that go to a lot of trouble to recruit people, to find the right people for their business and bring them in. And then once they start with them, just forget all of the good things that they wanted to do and they don't do the induction and they don't follow up on the probation period. And it can cause the relationship to start off badly and it may even cause the individual to decide to leave if they feel that actually they're not going to be valued and looked after while they're an employee. So let's just say you've decided we do like to have a probation period and we want to get the best out of it. What exactly should you be doing in order to get the best out of a probation? Well the first thing is to carry out a formal induction with that person. Whatever their role is in your business or organisation, whatever they're doing and whatever you do as a business, you can still carry out an induction with them and you should do so. My recommendation is that you create a procedure for a new starter and you set out on an induction form all of the measures that you want them to complete, all the things that they need to tick off to complete their induction and then some things that you want them to achieve during their probation period. So depending on what their role is, things that you want them to either get up to speed on or to be able to manage themselves independently or if there's certain training you want them to complete within that time. So you set out in the induction process exactly what those measurable things are that you expect them to fulfil during the probation period and obviously how you're going to support them in that. You should then diarise probation review meetings and have discussions at regular intervals during the probation period. My recommendation is to have formal meetings and discussions with individuals during the probation period to give them feedback, particularly if things aren't going quite so well or there are things that you need to work on with them. The reason being is in the course of the every day if you're giving feedback and telling people what they are and aren't doing right in their job role it can seem to them less formal and less important than if you actually sit down and have a meaningful meeting and talk through and say this is part of the probation process with them and it can make it easier if for example you're reaching the end of their probation period and you feel that you need to extend their probation. You know, they're not quite up to the level that you require or the standard you require. If you've had those formal discussions that you've diarised, you've set out, you've sat down with them, you've made notes of, you've followed up on, it makes it a lot easier at the end to have that conversation. And of course, the other thing you need to do with the probation period is to make sure that you put in your diary the end date of the probation period, but also maybe a week or two before to decide on the outcome in advance. It's no good waiting until the very last day of their probation to tell them that you're going to extend it or if they're not successful. You need to be thinking about that meaningfully in advance. It's important to remember that employees generally consider that once their probation period has passed, they are safe in their job role and that they are secure And this is regardless of whether you communicate to them the end of the probation period or not. People think, I've got past my three months, so nobody's spoken to me. I must be doing well. 
and therefore my job role is safe. So it is really important to follow up and to talk to them regularly if there are issues, but also to give positive feedback as well. And as I was saying, making sure you have written notes of those discussions so that if you do need to extend probation or to end someone's employment because they're not suitable, you've got that evidence there to back it up. And if you aren't sure about someone's suitability for their job role at the end of the probation period, then you should extend their probation. So do give them an extension and during that time set out again what you want them to achieve, how you're going to help them, what support you're going to provide to them, all of those sorts of things. Now none of this is legal requirements of course because when somebody's been employed for less than two years they don't have protection for a claim for unfair dismissal for example. So you don't actually have to have a fair and justified reason for dismissing someone during the probation period or at the end of the probation period or even after that but they do obviously have other rights for example in relation to discrimination and whistleblowing and those sorts of things that don't require two years employment so what we're talking about here is just good employment practice and again you might be thinking well Alison this is really time consuming going through meetings, giving them support and and targets and all of that sort of thing takes loads of management time. Well, I go back to what I was saying before is what's the point of going to the trouble and expense often of recruiting someone and bringing them into your business organisation if you're not going to set them up correctly to start with? In essence, you're just saying we don't really care. You're just a number to us. And actually, whether you stick around or not, it's not really important if you don't go through a meaningful and purposeful and time-consuming probation period. So what happens then if somebody is absent during their probation period? What should you do in those circumstances? Well, again, there is no legal obligation on you to extend their probation, but it is recommended that if they're off sick, for example, or for some other reason during their probation period for an extended period of time, that you agree to provide them with a further opportunity, so a bit longer. So let's just say in a three-month probation period, someone's absent for three weeks due to a sickness issue, then you could say, well, actually, we're going to extend your probation and do the review after a further three weeks so that we have the opportunity to really assess your suitability and you get to up to speed with the job role. It's also worth noting that there is the possibility of a discrimination claim in circumstances in which someone's absent um, due to a protected characteristic. So for example, there's a case on this from the Employment Appeal Tribunal and the case is Hainsley versus Relate Berkshire. And this is an example of maternity discrimination. And what happened in this case is that the employee was taken on while she was pregnant, the employer knew, and she was placed on a probation period which was due to end in August. But actually she went on maternity leave in May, then was dismissed at the end of July for being unsuccessful in her probation period. Now, this lady successfully claimed maternity discrimination and the Employment Appeal Tribunal agreed that the employer in these circumstances should have have enabled her to have the full opportunity of the probation period like her colleagues would have, those that weren't on maternity leave, to be able to assess her suitability. In her case, I think she was only actually working for three months, whereas the probation period was for six months. And so you can see there why you would have an obligation. It's quite a rare case, I have to say, because it's not very often that 
women start new job roles when they're heavily pregnant. But if it was the case, then you need to be mindful of that in relation to your assessment of them during the probation period. So I've talked about what you should consider in a good probation, what you should consider in a bad probation period. And so what happens then if at the end of the probation period, whether that's the original period that you've set or an extension of time, you decide that you need to terminate their employment. Now, what I would say is if somebody's really not up to the job and that becomes fairly obvious quickly, then you don't have to keep them on for the full probation period. As long as you've gone through a good and justified process and you've realised that they're not suitable and you've got justification for that, then it's fairly safe to terminate their employment before the end of the probation period. But in most cases, if your probation is only three months, you'll be wanting to keep them on and assess them fully in that time. So either way, whether you're terminating at the end of the probation period or during their probation there are some things I recommend that you do. As I was saying before, whilst generally it's safe to terminate their employment without following a formal process or having a fair reason, it's always advisable to follow a minimum procedure, um, whatever the circumstances really. And that minimum procedure doesn't have to be too onerous. And hopefully if you've done all the right things during the probation period, the discussion won't come as a surprise to the individual. So the first thing is invite them to a meeting setting out the reasons for the meeting, namely a probation review or the end of probation review and the outcome is possibly that we could terminate your employment because you're not suitable for the job role. The second thing is to offer them the right to be accompanied at the meeting, offer them the opportunity to bring a friend, relative or a colleague or trade union rep is my advice Um, and listen and consider what they have to say at the meeting, what they might have to say in response and then communicate your decision to them. As I say, if you've gone through the right process before, it won't be a surprise to them that they haven't met the standards that you require and and therefore will be terminating their employment. But it's still important to have that dialogue with them. And then give them notice in accordance with their contract. The legal minimum, of course, is one week after they've been employed for one month. But if they generally have a probation period clause in their employment contract, then it's usual for that to contain a slightly lesser notice period. So what you'll often find is that it will say during the probation period, the employment can be terminated by either party giving not less than one week's notice. And then after probation, it then jumps up normally from either party to a month or so, depending on the type of job role that they do, it might be longer. So that's another reason while we're talking about notice to be mindful of when the probation period is due to end and to act accordingly in good time if for example you're going to terminate their employment or extend their probation because what can happen is and there have been many cases on this the probation period lapses nothing's said and then you know a couple of weeks or a month down the line the employer decides actually they're not suitable, they haven't fulfilled what we need in the probation period, so we want to terminate their employment. And then they go to the contract and realise actually gone outside of the probation period, that's now lapsed, and we have to then give them a month or two months or three months notice when, had it been dealt with in a timely manner in the probation period, they could have given a week's notice. One way around this, although, as I say, my advice is always best practice, 
to deal with probation periods appropriately but you can include in the contract that the probation period won't end until they have been notified so the expectation is that the probation period will be three months but the probation will not be confirmed as ending unless you've had notification from the employer so rather than it just lapsing making it something that requires positive action from the employer to affirm employment and therefore at that point then it tips into the longer notice period. One of the questions that often comes up about terminating an employee's employment at the end of the probation period is whether you should give them an opportunity to appeal against that decision. So unless your procedures in your employment contracts or handbook apply in this situation and provide for the requirements of an appeal process then you don't have to allow them to appeal the decision but it is good practice to allow them if somebody does write and say I want to appeal against that decision but as long as you've carried out the correct procedure to get to the point of dismissal then it's low risk if you don't offer that opportunity to appeal. And if you've had all those conversations with the employee during the probation period and then you've gone through the process of having a meeting with them to tell them why they're not suitable, it's less likely that they're going to want to appeal because they will have had all of that information already and understand that they've had plenty of opportunity. So if somebody does ask to appeal, then I would give it good consideration as to why they feel that it's necessary to appeal and whether you've communicated the information to them sufficiently about why they're not suitable before. Another question that comes up fairly often is whether you can use a probation period for an existing employee who is taking on a new role. And the answer to this is yes, you can, but obviously you must communicate it clearly to that employee when they take on the role. So if it's an internal promotion, for example, and you're offering them the job, you should state that it's subject to a probation period of, you know, whatever it is, three or six months. But what you would also need to do and communicate to them is to decide what you want to do if they don't meet the requirements or the standard for the new role. Let's just say an employee who's been with you for five years has successfully applied for a promotion and you're promoting them. You're giving them a three-month probation period because you want to make sure that they're suitable for the role, the new role. What's going to happen at the end of that probation period if they're not suitable? Will you have a situation where you agree to return them to their old role or will it be that their employment is terminated due to capability reasons, i.e. they're not capable of doing the role that they've been employed to do? Of course, if you are agreeing to then put them back down a level You have to think about the logistics of that. For example, if you're recruiting or promoting to fill their old position, what's going to happen then? And there is nothing wrong with saying if you're not suitable for the role, we won't be able to put you back to your old role and we'll be looking at at terminating employment if you're not suitable. As long as you've communicated that to them in advance and they understand that. Now, again, what you want to be doing is you want to be setting them up to succeed. So setting out the training and support you're going to provide them to make sure that they are successful in their new role. And that's where it becomes really important to set measurable objectives and targets for them to achieve during the probation period so that you can sign them off at the end of it. And it will also help you if you do conclude 
that they're not suitable for the role and you do need to terminate their employment. So if you've had clear measurables there and they haven't met them and you've provided support and assistance, it will help you to justify your decision to terminate their employment for capability reasons at the end of the probation period. Because of course, if they've been employed for more than two years, then there is a high requirement to justify the termination decision and your reasonableness of that. So finally, before I round up about probations and probation periods, I just want to say that once again, the most important part of a successful probation process is communication. It sets the tone for your relationship with that individual. It will help you to ensure that they meet the requirements of the role and it will help you if problems do arise. So having regular meaningful communication with them is going to make sure that your probation periods are the best that they can be and you're getting everything that you need to out of those individuals when they start work for you. So finally to wrap up on a few of the key points I've talked about today. The first thing is Probation periods aren't a legal requirement. You don't need to have them. So if you're not going to apply yourself meaningfully to it, then there's no point in having one. If you do have a probation period, the standard periods are between three and six months, depending on the job role. And it's a period of time in which the expectation is there that the individual is being assessed for their suitability for the role. You need to have regular communication, set out what support and training is going to be provided and then diarise to follow up with them towards the end of the probation period, at which point you're going to make your decision as to whether you confirm their employment, extend their probation, or terminate their employment. Hopefully, you found that really helpful and can start looking at your probation periods in a different way. If you want any advice or assistance in relation to HR, employment law, best practice, any of the things that I've talked about today or on the podcast generally, then do get in touch. As I said at the beginning, myself and my colleagues are very experienced and very happy to chat with you. The best way of contacting us is by calling the head office on 01983 897 Before I sign off, I just want to ask anybody who's listening to the podcast today on Spotify, if you could go into your app and please give a rating, preferably a five-star rating for the podcast You might have noticed if you're a regular listener via Spotify that they've now introduced the ability to score podcasts much in the same way that iTunes has been doing for quite some time, but now Spotify are doing it. So I would be really grateful if you're a listener on Spotify, if you could just go in and give me a rating for this podcast. It does help, I think, in our rankings and trying to encourage more people to listen, of course, and I'd be very grateful for that. I hope that you have a fantastic two weeks ahead and I look forward to bringing you the podcast again in a fortnight. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.